Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Daniel Robison, Assistant News Director here at WFIU, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're discussing how service learning and leadership programs affect communities. Joining us in the studio are Indiana State University Director of Public Service and Community Engagement, Nancy Rogers, Indiana University Director of Human Biology, Whitney Schlegel, and Bloomington Boys and Girls Club Unit Director, Chris Tan. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get started, let me remind listeners they can join the program by phone at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-WFIU. Ask a question or make a comment. You can also send in a a written question by going to our website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can also follow us along on Twitter at Noon Edition, one word. Let's start out by finding out uh, some more details about what each of you do and what your organizations do with regards to service learning. Uh, Let's start with you, Whitney. Okay. Um, I'm a faculty member uh, in biology, and I direct human biology. And uh, I um, engage students in work in the community through partnering with our Office of Service Learning, and that helps facilitate relationships with different community partners, the city of Bloomington Parks and Recreation, for example, uh, Mother Hubbard's Cupboard and Boys and Girls Club, things like that, so that students have an opportunity to um, get out and be um, advocates for um, their, and use their knowledge. So you partner biology students then with local organizations, is that right? Yep. Okay, great, thanks. Nancy? Well, I, I direct the Center for Public Service and Community Engagement in the at Indiana State. And that office serves as the outreach and engagement office for the campus. Uh, that would include uh, serving as the service learning office and the volunteer office. So we work with faculty and students from across the campus and a, a whole variety of com- community organizations and, and, and try and help those folks find each other. So yeah, we, so you're kind of a partnering, you're, you're yes, a clearinghouse. That's Local right. organizations come to you and say, we really could use some help with this project or this event, and then you try to find folks at ISU who would fulfill those needs. That, that's exactly what we do, and sometimes faculty have an idea that they have a project they want to do, mm-hmm. and we help them find a community partner. So, so we work both ways. That's great. Okay. Chris. Thank you. Um, again, I work for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Bloomington. Um, some of the work that we do there, um, most of the work we do there centers around uh, Given children um, an opportunity to make friends, build new relationships, have a safe place to be after school and in the summer. Uh, we focus on a variety of uh, programs and activities uh, to keep kids healthy and learning and, uh, uh, and having a good childhood while they're growing up. Our aim is to give kids uh, uh, the opportunity to develop some skills to become caring and productive adults uh, uh, into the future for, uh, for our community. Um, the nice thing about the Boys and Girls Club here in Bloomington is um, just about uh, uh, every organization, every business, every school in town um, has made a contribution uh, on a regular level to the club. So we see ourselves as um, uh, being there for the kids, but we're also there in a variety of ways to be an organization where people can come and engage and volunteer and do service learning. So it's, uh, it's really sort of a, a full circle um, uh, from kids to adults being involved. What are some specific examples of uh, service learning projects that the Boys and Girls Club uh, has been involved in? Um, you know, as I was thinking about this this morning, um, I, I was really uh, focusing on many of the direct ways that we create, um, that we work together to have opportunities for very formal service learning. Um, we work uh, with the Office of Service Learning at IU 
Um, we're one of the organizations in town that um, has an advocate for community engagement through that, uh, that IU department. And that installs a student that's uh, a volunteer but also acts as a volunteer coordinator, orienter to get um, students and classes involved in a variety of our operations. As I thought about that more, I realized there's um, a much broader spectrum of, of direct and indirect ways that people come into the club um, uh, to develop their own sense of volunteerism and service to gain the, uh, the benefits of doing that. Um, and that would be very interesting to talk about too, some of the direct and indirect ways that uh, the club serves those needs. Well, let's talk about some of those direct ways. Are there certain classes you've uh, students have come to, to the Boys and Girls Club from and, and, and done work for you? What, what work have they done? What's a, what's a good example of, of, of a service learning project? Absolutely. Um, one class that comes to mind is uh, uh, through the School of Education. It's uh, called an E300 class or an M300 class. Um, the professor that we're working with there right now is uh, Carolyn Hessler. And um, for the last uh, more than three, four semesters now, um, she's uh, creating with her students um, uh, an opportunity for them to uh, have their first pre-field experience working with um, children. These are um, IU students that are going to go on to pursue um, elementary and middle school certifications, mm -hmm. um, but they haven't had uh, um, the requirement to do their field experience yet. So this is a very um, initial opportunity for these um, students to, to do some hands-on work. Kind of their first field experience. Very much so. Mm -hmm. The way the, the Boys and Girls Club is um, uh, helped support this opportunity is um, up until recently, these students would have a one-day experience going to Indianapolis Public Schools, spending a few hours there, and that would be their only getting their feet wet initial experience. Mm -hmm. But through um, this class, through Carol Ann, through the Boys and Girls Club, with the help of the students and the kids, um, we get a regular volunteer commitment for a whole semester. We give these students the opportunity to be involved um, 18 hours individually over that semester to broaden their experience, to develop their skills, to ask the important questions about how do you do this or is this right for mm -hmm. me. Um, fantastic uh, new opportunity. It's, uh, we'll be coming up on our fourth semester of offering that at the club. How do the kids react to that? The, um, you know how kids are. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, – they, um, uh, I, I guess the, the stratum would be something like uh, – um, first, a little bit of rebellion. Uh -huh. Who's this new person? Uh -huh. And uh, Put them through their paces. Yeah. Uh -huh. Maybe some curiosity. You know, why do you look that way? Tell me about that earring. You uh -huh. know, a little bit of curiosity. Um, then there's that, that moment of engagement, maybe three weeks in, uh -huh. where, where everybody's used to the space, used to the routine, um, taking that risk of um, leading an activity. Maybe it's shooting a game of pool. Maybe it's making an art project. Um, it all culminates at the end of the semester when these service learners um, put on an entire afternoon of service learning-led specific activities. We call it museum extravaganza. And they're teaching kids um, a variety of games from around the globe um, that they've researched. Characteristically, it's one of our best days at the club where all of our members – and we'll see 200 a day after school – Characteristically, it's one of the more engaging days where these kids are happy, um, free of conflict, enjoying the new um, opportunities. But they're also saying goodbye to somebody that they've known that whole semester, mm -hmm. a young adult that's made um, a nice it's – had, it's had a hand in their life for a short time. And that's always met with that little bit of uh, um, I hope they come back. Mm -hmm. I hope they come back in another capacity. What do you think the students get out of it, the, the college students? Um, I think uh, it's, it's one of those opportunities where you're going to get out of it um, what you put into it. Um, specifically, I'd say um, what I hope students come out of it with is um, a couple of really darn good questions about um, communicating um, not only with their professor and their peers and as it relates to youth work with the kids. I think um, – 
the students that get the most out of it are the ones who say, you know, why is it this way? Why, uh, why do you – why are your policies this way? Why do you staff this way? Why are you in uh, this building? You know, those, those really good questions to look at in terms of vision and planning. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, um, for the kids uh, that um, these service learners are working with, I hope uh, the service learners come away with a little, a little bag of tricks, a little bag of tricks for how you can um, – Make it a great day. Make it a great interaction with uh, um, a young person or a young teenager. Nancy, you would help uh, facilitate uh, an organization like the Boys and Girls Club with with the class or or with some students, right? That's right. How do you make those connections? How do you match them up? Well, I I spend a a lot of time getting uh, getting to know people in the Terre Haute community um, through all kinds of of ways. So I'm pretty familiar with the nonprofit community, with the the people that work in in city government, and and the same is true of of my staff. On the other hand, we work real hard on on campus to to get to know the faculty. So really, if if a faculty member has an idea, we probably know someone in the community, or at least know someone in the community who can direct us uh, the right way to help make that that match. And then usually it's just a matter of of us arranging a, a meeting between the faculty member and, and the community partner. We might meet with both parties a, a time or two, and then, and then typically the partnerships just grow from there. Is there a formal reporting structure as far as um, um, you know, their experience after they've uh, engaged in the service learning component itself? Or, um, and, and I guess the other part of that is, are you ever able to arrange it so they actually receive some credit for a class based on their service learning experience? And Whitney, I'd like you to talk about that too. Well, lo- lots of our lots of the service learning partnerships actually are part of a four credit class, so that's you know th- that's really quite common. And I I, I really think that's um, a, a great way to go uh, with service learning versus volunteerism. In the classroom, you're talking about the issue. Uh, you have you have opportunity to come back after your your service, and you know, we've all been around kids enough to know that what you hear about kids in the classroom, and then what you experience with mm-hmm. children when you're working with them, can be two different things. So it's it's great to be able to come back in the class and and reflect on that. Mm-hmm. So n- not just at Indiana State, but certainly at, at IU and, and most universities, service learning is connected with a four credit course. Whitney, do you get a chance to engage in some of that debriefing, that important, you know, hey, let's talk about this experience that we've had as part of this service learning experience? Absolutely. It's that connection between the classroom and the community is what service learning is all about. And the uh, an example is, uh, that I can provide is this spring, the, uh, the senior class of human biology, we partnered with the city of Bloomington uh, Parks and Recreation Department. And the theme of our of our senior capstone is the complex problems of humanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, it can be pretty overwhelming. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a mouthful, gosh, <laughs> if you're looking at problems. And, and so the community offers an opportunity to see how they can take their knowledge of these problems and find solutions and mm-hmm. be part of the solution. And so the um, overriding theme of the um, that we worked with was water. Water is the essence of life, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a scarce resource. And so in partnering with the Parks and Recreation Department, we worked with their citizen scientist program and uh, got involved in storm drain marking, and we learned about um, – the, uh, th- some of the things that go on and uh, dumping in storm drains and mm-hmm. knowledge of, of uh, water infrastructure. And then they also facilitated a partnership with a state program, the Hoosier River Watch program. Mm-hmm. And that gave students an opportunity to use their science to go out there mm-hmm. and monitor water quality, contribute to a database that is, uh, going, is ongoing. And, uh, and so they're uh, contributing to an understanding of the health of our water in the state of Indiana. And then they presented their they, – they approached that work also from a scientist perspective, asking questions about mm-hmm. that data. And they presented that as a poster session where we invited the community to really begin to understand water resources uh, in, in the state and, in a, and locally and share, share that knowledge. And they felt that that through that experience that they had a, a knowledge of how they can use their science in city government 
uh, to advocate for smart choices and informed choices. How did that partnership work out? I mean, you're bringing together a class of students who are you know, learning these things in, in, a, in a city department. You know, how did this partnership uh, work together? So, the, well, the partnership uh, was uh, facilitated by our Office of Service Learning. Uh, they actually, uh, much like Nancy, um, Nicole Shoneman is out there canvassing the community and just listening to what people's needs are. And so she connected us uh, with um, – and also Andrew Libby who works with, uh, uh, with Nicole uh, – with uh, Christy Lindbergh and Parks mm-hmm. and Recreation. Yeah. And we just met at the bakehouse and had a conversation and it was, oh, we see how we can uh, really help facilitate each other's goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, We have this skill set. We have this need and this is how we can make each other. Yeah. And it just – and it grew. And from that come all other connections, some amazing connections that uh, it's just a, a web of people who are um, – uh, coming into um, around water in particular, mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, interestingly enough that there was a uh, um, also a science camp on uh, campus this uh, summer that uh, drew upon the uh, the partner built upon our partnership. So I think that's another thing about service learning that each one of our partnerships kind of builds, and new new people come in, and uh, it's an exciting place to be. For bo- yeah, I'd like to hear more about the students' experience afterwards or, or their um, reflections on their experiences post, um, you know, the involvement and, and how that changes the students. If um, Would you mind continuing? Sure. Uh, it, it's interesting. Students uh, come in uh, to Indiana University and, uh, and I think any university with a pretty narrow view of the world. Mm-hmm. And and actually, while they're here, that view becomes, in my opinion, uh, it, it narrows further because they they while we're this university is situated in Bloomington, really all they see here in IU is Third to Tenth Street, and uh, so um, getting them to kind of think more broadly about where they are, their sense of place is really important. And um, that's one thing that happens with service learning and uh, getting students out into the community. They suddenly realize that there's, oh, wow, you know, there's all these things happening in Bloomington that are uh, – and people live here, not just faculty members. There are other people that live in this community. And uh, so that's, that's one, one thing that happens. And then the other is that um, as they are out there – um, working and communicating and and identifying the uh, the problems in the community and being part of those solutions that that uh, it empowers them mm-hmm. and they they now have a framework in which they can think about how they're going to do that once they leave here not just understanding Bloomington's needs but how they're going to um, make a difference in the communities that they're going to move on to after that. Well, you're a strong proponent for service learning. How did you come to uh, em- employ this method in your teaching? Um, actually, I, I first got involved in service learning when I was um, – I, I teach um, – I'm a physiologist and I teach a lot of students who are going to go on into healthcare professions. And uh, they are very knowledgeable. They're um, uh, with science and uh, they uh, will – Make, they make wonderful doctors based upon their knowledge. But one thing that we don't teach is we don't have an opportunity in the classroom to really teach about the human being and that is at the essence of healthcare. And mm-hmm. so um, I began to think about how can we do that? How can we help these um, outstanding students be, have an understanding of uh, of the patients and the world that they're going to um, become a part of. Mm-hmm. And um, one way uh, that I uh, thought about was to couple my own background is also in um, animal physiology. And I work in animal behavior. And I have, um, over the years, been involved with um, animal-assisted activities, service dogs, things mm-hmm. of that nature. And I thought, now, that would be a really great way to uh, 
to kind of couple my own personal interests and a passion I have for helping students to understand more deeply uh, what it means to be human. And so I started a service learning uh, course where we um, looked at uh, animal and human behavior and animal-human interaction. And part of that course was um, working with community partners who were taking um, dogs into um, uh, facilities for um, elderly. Mm-hmm. And so we, they would be visiting with the, uh, with the elderly, with the dog, and have an opportunity to learn the rich stories that people have just by sitting there talking and the dog. Um, animals have a great way of kind of making everybody feel at ease. And uh, so they, uh, they can be the center of attention initially, but then they kind of fade into the background and conversation emerges. And they had an opportunity also to, to look at themselves in a different way um, through their own experience with the animals. And so that was my first uh, opportunity. So that went well enough to where you – now how many have you done since then? Um, then I've, I've been a part of um, half a dozen or so different types of service learning. And uh, I was part of a project uh, where we brought together faculty from all different areas across the university in what we called the Food for Thought Project. And uh, this was uh, – so food was our theme – and uh, in each of the courses, they were um, they were teaching from their own disciplinary perspective. So a biologist was teaching about um, ecology and food, and uh, the SPIA professor was uh, School of Public and Environmental Affairs was talking about risk management, and they came together. Um, and their students worked across these courses out in the community as teams to with different organizations. And the products that they produced for these uh, organizations were informed by all these different perspectives. And it was a really exciting project. And the students um, also got an opportunity to see the value of different perspectives. So the biology student is um, understanding the graphic designer, and they're beginning to get a common language. And that happened for the faculty as well, which is really important. Wow, that sounds really neat. Now, is that something that continued with the water project then? And then the water project, uh, there were uh, not really. I mean, yeah. there's all, they're all really different. Mm-hmm. And but certainly the community, you, you get to know the same people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and, but they are, they're, all, they're all really different. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back. Uh, we're talking about service learning and leadership programs. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. Today we're discussing how service learning and leadership programs affect communities. In the studio right now are Indiana State University Director of Public Service and Community Engagement, Nancy Rogers, Indiana University Director of Human Biology, Whitney Schlegel, and Bloomington Boys and Girls Club Unit Director, Chris Tan. If you have a question or a comment, please call in. It's 812-855-0811 
or 1-877-285-WFIU. Or you could leave it at our website, and our producer, Ariana, could go get it. It's WFIU.org <laughs> slash Noon Edition. Um, well, uh, Whitney, you were saying that you've done half a dozen of these classes. And uh, Chris, you were saying that uh, education classes have been involved with the Boys and Girls Club. Nancy, uh, how are you seeing more and more professors and organizations coming to you as time goes on to get these sorts of service learning things going? Well, every year I, I think we, we see more faculty who are interested in incorporating this, this kind of work. And on the community side, I, the demand just you know, goes, goes on and on. And I, I think that's, probably, that's not just in Terre Haute. I think that's, that's true in lots of communities. So there, there is interest. And I think as, as faculty see their colleagues have good experiences, then they become interested in, in maybe trying a project as well. Could you speak to maybe some specific um, results that that have come back to to your ears in your office about people's experiences? Sure. Um, well, I, I think one way that service learning is different from volunteerism is that it it really is more effective in helping eliminate stereotypes. I've found lots of times when students just go volunteer, say, at a community center that serves low-income children, their experience is that their stereotypes are reinforced. They have mm-hmm. a belief that, that you know, people behave this a certain way and they go to a center and see that they perceive that, in fact, to be true. So in a service learning experience, that's something that the faculty member will talk about prior to the student doing service. They'll talk afterwards about, you know, maybe why you saw certain types of, of behaviors. So I, I, we see that a great deal, uh, especially with the um, classes more concerned with social sciences, education, um, recreation. A- and then you know, some, other, some other things that I think have been, uh, have been uh, interesting. We had students in our geology program do lead testing. The housing stock in Terre Haute's old lead contamination yeah. mm-hmm. is a problem. Uh, but instead of just learning how to test for lead in a, a sterile lab, they went out, collected the the samples. They learned about the lead problem in Terre Haute. They learned about the consequences of lead poisoning, especially in children. Mm-hmm. They learned about what the community is doing to um, try and, and impact this issue. So now instead of just a competent scientist, you have a, a competent scientist who understands how how science can impact the community. And I, I think that's a much more powerful model. So really what, what both of you are describing then is kind of the building of a more sensitive, uh, more holistically involved human being in, in the community and, in fact, the, the bigger picture of the world. We hope so. Yep. That's, yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Chris, you and I have, have a, a personal history, and so I think your story is, is very interesting. Um, you're working with the Boys and Girls Club now, but I think it would be really interesting to hear about how you came to be where you are right now and um, just that evolution, if you don't mind. Shucks, Mary Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me talk about my favorite subject myself. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the last couple of years for me have been uh, a real opportunity to learn some new things. Um, the opportunity to learn about service learning, um, connecting with major schools and universities. Um, uh, for me, this pa- these past two years have been a chance to really learn a lot, things that I hadn't really thought of. And so that's been great. Um, this opportunity for me kind of came about when uh, uh, in 2007 – uh, my family had the opportunity to relocate to Bloomington, Indiana from Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, back in the 80s, uh, we had friends that went to IU. My spouse went to IU as an undergrad. And, um, you know, fatefully, we had an opportunity to uh, move to Bloomington and, um, and, uh, and start some new things in our lives. Um, we moved here uh, with uh, a job in hand and uh, some great hopes and um, myself uh, uh, some, some prospects for employment but nothing um, hard and fast. Um, the first HR director I met with uh, was uh, an outstanding person, uh, David St. John, um, and uh, he uh, had gone through um, leadership Bloomington Monroe County course through um, continuing studies at IU. He was uh, the first professional who I touched base with in town, and um, he um, strenuously emphasized that I needed to leave his office and contact IU Continuing Studies and see if I could get into Leadership Bloomington Monroe County, um, that class for uh, for that coming year, 2007-2008. 
So uh, I did just that. Um, you know, I felt like there was uh, um, a great opportunity there, something that I needed to do. Um, he said, at the very least, Chris, what you'll do is you will learn so much about Bloomington in the uh, 24 classes that you'll take through Leadership Bloomington. Um, you'll, your knowledge about this place will increase. You'll find different ways to do what you aim to do, and that was to work with kids. Um, he also said, you very well might um, make a network of folks that um, can support you in finding your next career move here in Bloomington. Um, uh, he was right on both accounts. Um, as, uh, as I explored this opportunity, I realized that um, it had been some time since I'd enrolled in uh, a college class. It had been some time since I'd even thought about college tuition and realized that um, uh, you know, there, there's value uh, in everything that uh, you do and, and, uh, and that there should be a tuition associated with that. So um, I applied for a scholarship. Um, you know, we were new to town. I didn't uh, have income yet. And um, uh, the folks at uh, Leadership Bloomington Monroe County, Mary Catherine uh, and Patty, um, accepted my application for a scholarship and awarded me um, a scholarship to take the class for a year. Um, thank you very much. It's the Alumni Association <laughs> and their generous uh, generosity. So uh, thank those folks. But go ahead, Chris. I'm you sorry. bet. Um, so uh, with that in mind, um, I think it's uh, about the only time in my life I made perfect attendance, but I made perfect attendance for all those classes. I can testify he did. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and through that class, I think I had uh, 24 classmates. Is no, I actually right? had 34 classmates. 34 classmates. Good memory. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and through the sessions that we attended, uh, learning about this community, learning about the way uh, um, town and gown collaborates and corroborates, um, learning about the different traditions and histories of the town, um, just provide, provided a lot of um, content but also a lot of conversation with all my classmates. Through those conversations, there was uh, an opportunity to meet um, Jeff Baldwin, who was a classmate of ours, um, uh, the director of the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and uh, we talked a lot about um, projects that he'd like to see happen for the club, a lot about um, kids and youth development. And um, uh, before our course in Leadership Bloomington was completed, um, Jeff and I were talking seriously about working together. So uh, um, just so many things have happened, um, not only for me, but I think um, for every, all the students that were in that class, the relationships that were made there are very strong. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about how the Ellettsville um, branch of the Boys and Girls Club kind of grew out of that as well. It's fantastic. Um, so uh, um, just briefly, um, one of the uh, uh, requirements of participating in leadership Bloomington Monroe County is that um, – uh, you form a small group with classmates and you um, are tasked with um, making a connection in the community and providing a project that is going to be a long-running project that will um, serve an identified need um, in the community. Um, one of the projects that bore out of that work was um, uh, identifying the need in the Ellettsville, town of Ellettsville, uh, in that community that, that there was no major player for the after-school uh, program market. Um, other, some things have been tried. Some opportunities to bring kids from Ellettsville to Bloomington have been tried, and it just didn't have uh, the right support uh, or infrastructure. Um, so um, students uh, in that 2007-2008 uh, class of LBMC tasked themselves with um, raising the capital, making the committees, finding the volunteers, reaching out to families, um, uh, beating the bushes to get um, – uh, participation and support for uh, what has now become uh, the Youth and Community Center of Monroe County, which is uh, um, the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington is the lead organization providing full-day summer programming for kids, after-school programming for kids. Uh, that uh, came to fruition in April of 2009 with all the resources that those classmates had put together. Um, off the bat, the enrollment for the program, I think there was 80 applications the first day that they opened. Uh, you know, we're taking on the order of 30 new members a month there. And, uh, and um, the kids are having a great time. And it's now just, uh, you know, the 
the the next layer of work to keep things strong mm-hmm. and um, and working for for the community. And there are paid employees as well as volunteers, so it's. You know, it's had a big impact in yeah, that, that community. Yeah, volunteers, paid staff, um, a connection um, that does relate to service learning is the connection with uh, uh, the AmeriCorps program. Um, within the last year, um, we've made a stronger connection to a variety of AmeriCorps opportunities that um, help us staff um, with uh, – Oh, how would I go about describing that? Um, Nancy, you said you do some work with AmeriCorps as well. We do. Um, we our, our program at Indiana State has part-time members. You, you probably work with a, mm-hmm. uh, lots of part-time members that serve between well, 300 and, and 900 hours over the course of a year. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly It's a great right. program. So, uh, so and that gives um, folks that enroll in the AmeriCorps program for a year to do those service hours – um, work within a community organization and um, and do work or start programs that would not have been run before. It gives them an opportunity to start that, something that, brand that's new. That's right. And they also receive a stipend. So for a lot of students, they can they can do AmeriCorps instead of you know having having to do a, a part time job, and then they receive an education award at the end of their at the end of their term, uh, which is a nice benefit as well. I see that as a great service learning mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, speaking of uh, part-timers and volunteers, uh, how do you make sure, you know, if you're dealing with the class, dealing with students, uh, uh, working with kids at the Boys and Girls Club, how do you try to make sure that they uh, remain volunteers after their, their, their class time is over when they don't have to be there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, re- retention, retaining volunteers, um, keeping people uh, involved, uh, cradle to grave is something that <laughs> <laughs> Is something that everybody, uh, uh, all organizations aim to um, be that good or at least have opportunities for folks to stay engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the simple things that we do and, uh, you know, maybe for organizations that have cute, cuddly animals, maybe for organizations that have great kids involved, there are just some very um, strong emotional connections that mm-hmm. can develop there. Um, so, uh, you know, we rely on the strength of our program to keep people interested in what we do. I think the mission of our organization really um, catches people when you say um, eliminating stereotypes when, um, when service learners um, come into our club. Um, it's no longer um, pages on a text. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's individuals that are um, growing and, uh, and open to a relationship there. Um, that has a strong retention key. We have um, students that will start in a service learning semester with us uh, and stay with us for seven semesters. Um, and that's fantastic. Um, we should do a little bit more. We should be having uh, cake and ice cream parties every month for these folks. <laughs> we, should have, we should have parking spaces that say, mm-hmm. yeah, um, because uh, um, the reality is, is that they are essential to making a difference. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that Many of the people who have gone through a service learning experience have have found it to be life changing, and I'm wondering, um, Whitney, if if you're aware of anybody who has actually maybe made a change in their life plan based on their service learning experience. And um, Nancy, I'd love to hear that from you too, if you're aware of any situation like that. Sure, I can actually give a couple of examples. I'm going back to the uh, cute and cuddly uh, animals. Uh, I had uh, one of uh, my students in the first uh, time I offered uh, this course was actually um, uh, afraid of dogs. And uh, part of her motivation for taking the course was to address that fear mm-hmm. because she recognized that animals play a really important role in our lives. And uh, so she, was, uh, uh, she went on to medical school. And while she was at uh, IU Medical School, she started her own uh, visiting program in the Alzheimer's unit uh, up there at a a facility up there. Mm -hmm. And um, recognizing that this was just something that was really important to uh, to, uh, human well-being. And uh, so that was a a life-changing, I think, event. Uh, Also, um, this past uh, spring uh, semester, working with the the uh, Bloomington Parks and Recreation and Hoosier, Hoosier River Watch, uh, a student who was uh, um, kind of vacillating between career options, um, decided that uh, that she was uh, um, going to go into public health. 
because mm. she saw at the core of public health um, water issues and began mm. to see them on a global scale. And uh, she is um, uh, currently uh, um, over in Africa right now. Wow. So they are uh, making choices based upon their experiences that are uh, leading them down different paths than they had originally thought. Really opening up their world. Yep. That's amazing. Nancy, have you heard anything along those lines? Any uh, students who have uh, been so changed by their service learning experience? Well, we certainly see students that have these experiences seek them out more. So a student has a great service learning experience and they want to go on alternative spring break or they want to participate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in AmeriCorps. And, and we do see a fair number of students who maybe weren't sure what they wanted to do but now really want to work with children or they want to work with older adults or, or do something in, in human services. And then we, we've also um, have, had, have had some students who may be stuck with a degree in, in business and they want to work in the corporate sector. Uh, but I, I, I can, can think of um, several students who have been in, involved with some of our programs who are doing that, but they're also volunteering or they're serving on boards or they're finding other ways to continue their work even though it's, it's maybe – it maybe hasn't become their profession, but it certainly has had an impact. And you know, goodness knows we need active, um, we need active people in the private sector too. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's not going to to work in in human services, right? Uh, Whitney, do you find that most of your students are are open to doing this stuff, or do they want to stick to what they're used to? Get, uh, hearing lectures, taking notes, reading through their textbook. Are, are students happy about this? Um, I. I th- not all, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that uh, certainly there are those that are resistant to that mm-hmm. um, type of learning. Um, the but I think that uh, that they come around that they begin to see the value in uh, in their experience. And but you're never you're, you're never going to get everybody, and mm-hmm. so you just ha- kind of have to accept that uh, that. Um, some students just will have it will have a profound effect on their lives, and and others it will be an experience along the way. But the thing about education is we we don't really know, and uh, mm-hmm. so the there isn't often an immediate um, point that you can evaluate that that change comes along much later mm-hmm. uh, when they connect with a different experience that. Uh, uh, they draw back from their mm-hmm. experience in, in uh, higher education. So. But it's so valuable, though, that they have that experience at some point in their life. And, it, you know, it plants a seed, I feel strongly. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if I could piggyback on that, we find that sometimes it's, it's not even the service experience it, itself. It's, it's some of the other stuff related to it. Uh, like when we, we take students in the fall to Chicago to do a service trip, and the most difficult part every year of that trip is getting them on the L train because they haven't, they haven't ridden on public transportation before. You know, at times we've had to literally shove people on the train. You know, it, it's okay. You're, you're, not, you're not going to get hurt. Or they have had, had students who are very afraid to go into a long-term care facility because you know, the, of this, the stereotype they, they have of, of how older adults are, are living in there. So sometimes that, that's where the resistance is. It isn't the idea that they're, they're doing this particular project. But overcoming those kinds of challenges are valuable uh, for young people too, I think. Absolutely. Again, expanding a worldview, and that's fantastic, yeah. Nancy, you said uh, earlier more and more uh, uh, organizations are coming to you and more and more faculty members are coming to you to get service learning uh, projects going. What's generally been the number one barrier or some of the barriers to to making these things happen? the, The biggest challenge, I think, is that no one else has a year that goes from August to May. You know, we, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we live on an academic calendar that may or may not fit with the needs of, of the organization. And, you know, when first week in May, things slow down a lot for the second week in, in December. So you know, trying to um, make sure that the community organization is, is realistic uh, about what they can expect and the, the time frame that we have to work in. Um, I, I I think that we have to we have to be realistic about what kinds of projects students can do. So a, a senior biology student 
has a lot more skills, a lot more knowledge than a, fresh, a freshman biology student probably mm-hmm. does. So mm-hmm. it's important that the, the community organization is really uh, has a realistic understanding of, of you know, what they can expect and what kind of service or what kind of – if there's a product, that, a report that's going to be delivered at, at the end, what, you know, what kind of work. Interesting, too. You're dealing with 18-year-olds versus 21 or 22-year-olds. So I imagine that, Chris, that's probably a very different experience for you as, as uh, you know, that's really – you go through a lot of changes in your life in, in that period of time. So have you, have you noticed that difference in the students that have come to your facility, Chris? I, I think, uh, you know, the, the time that you're at college or at university that um, – you're just, you're just gaining so much experience, so much focus on uh, on what you aim to accomplish that it certainly is measurable. Um, you know, somebody that comes in uh, their their first year as a freshman with with a great heart and a great intent, and um, as uh, as experience deepens and as uh, um, somebody finds something that they can stick with over time, you do see um, a greater. Uh, better questions being asked. You mm-hmm. see a different level of uh, engagement, of valuing their time. Um, yeah, the the summer is a great example. The folks that come to us over the summer to, vol- to, to volunteer or to participate in service learning um, are, are students that have a little bit more um, schoolwork under their belt mm-hmm. and are able to be um, effective their first day coming into the club. So... Um, so yeah, if, if that was your question, I definitely think that mm-hmm. those 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 four years in college um, add up to a wealth of skill building. Interesting. I'm, I'm curious with the way the the economy is uh, and, and the way that uh, nonprofits have struggled more than probably anybody else in this economy with people not donating as much and and uh, maybe not volunteering as much because they're they're doing other things. Uh, Nancy, have you seen more organizations come to you looking to partner with a class so they can get those volunteer hours so they can get uh, that value? Well, the economy in, in, in Terre Haute, like in other parts of the, of the state, certainly you know, ha- has changed a lot in the past couple of years. A major employer left, which was a, the largest contributor to our United Way campaign. Mm. So you know, we have lots of agencies that have had to, have had to cut staff. So yes, that they – they are coming to us looking for um, students, AmeriCorps members, uh, part-time employees who can who can fill fill some of those roles. Then, at, at, at the same time that they have less resources, they have more clients mm-hmm. who who are in need of their their services. So, a- absolutely, we we've seen an increase because of that. Have you? Uh, I was talking to, with a friend of mine about this show about service learning, and she said she had been involved in a service learning class and. I think she was halfway joking when she said, oh, I was, they just used me for free labor. Do you guys ever hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it can uh, um, come across that way sometimes. The, uh, I think that's the, um, the, real, the real thing that we need to pay attention to is bringing the experience back mm-hmm. into the classroom and allowing for the reflection on that experience so that it doesn't feel like it's um, free labor and – and often um, students uh, don't make the distinction, and even some faculty, I think when you approach service learning, that uh, the difference between volunteerism and service learning mm-hmm. and that, that real connection to the classroom and allowing the space in the classroom for that reflection. Mm-hmm. We're adding that to our upcoming uh, orientation for new staff is, is how to be more effective, more uh, collaborative with the student uh, service learners because we'll see a lot of them in the fall. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. With more and more of these uh, partnerships being made over time, uh, uh, all three of you can weigh in on this. Where do you see service learning going you know, 10, 20 years down the line? Because you work out the kinks as you go along and, and, and the more the connections you make, the more likelihood they are to, to, to really work. Mm-hmm. So where do you see it going in a decade, a couple decades from now? I, I think that we'll see more faculty and more students participating. Um, I think traditionally you found service learning in, in social sciences and some of the pr- professional programs. Uh, we're starting to see much more in the natural sciences and in mm-hmm. mathematics and in the humanities. So I, 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 I hope that we continue to see growth in, in some of those areas that have been maybe less in, inclined or have had less of a tradition of, of doing community engagement or service learning work. 
Chris, are you more apt to, to do these sorts of things as, as you go along in your job? I think uh, um, you know a good directing staff at an organization is going to look for um, more creative ways to um, create opportunities for service learners. Um, an area that uh, I know my supervisor, Jeff Baldwin, has, has um, picked up on is using uh, an opportunity for service learners from the Center of Education and Evaluation Policy at IU um, to use their skills in collecting data, analyzing data. Um, these service learners do our um, parent evaluations mm. and uh, put together um, a very nice report for us in terms of our effectiveness or how we are perceived by families. So I, th- I think that's, that's the rich, richness of, of what may lie ahead is, is looking into the ways that we can bring um, uh, more specific, more um, specialized opportunities for service learners. Oh, Whitney, uh, 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 Nancy mentioned creativity. How, how are you getting creative in, in you know, what will be your seventh or eighth class uh, now with service learning? How are you looking for new angles? Well, I think that uh, I, can I can piggyback on the comments before, which is that I think the thing about service learning from a higher education perspective that is really valuable is that it is an authentic experience for students. It's not something that's out of a textbook Mm -hmm. or created in the classroom, but it's out there in the real world. It's messy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it allows them to make application of, uh, of their knowledge. And higher education is under increasing pressure to um, to put out citizens mm-hmm. and leaders, mm-hmm. and those types of things cannot be learned in isolation of communities. It, students have to be out there experiencing that. It's it's part of the project based learning trend in education everywhere. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that and that authenticity is just so important for students, and that they're not just doing a problem set to do a problem set. Right. Mm-hmm. That that problem set is working. Uh, and applying to a solution to a real-world problem. And getting those real-world variables that yep. come at you at the last minute when you think you have the answer. Yeah, that's yep. great stuff. And so I think in trying to um, – in the future, the uh, – is trying to think about, for me, um, those problems that are going to allow multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. I, I think for scientists to be able to – be effective in today's world, they they have to be able to recognize multiple perspectives. Well, we're out of time. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the show today, Nancy, uh, Whitney, and Chris. Uh, please tune in next week when Congressman Barron Hill will join us in the studio. Get your questions in now at wfiu.org slash noon edition. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, our guests, producer Ariana Prothero, engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Daniel Robinson. Thank you for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.